What's up, everybody? I'm Jalen Hill. I'm E.B. And I'm T. Brown. And welcome to the We, we About to Get Five for This podcast. podcast. A podcast where we, the three interns, discuss God in our own lives and talk about his works past, present, and future. So come sit at the table with us. We're going to be real, honest, and righteously raw. Let's have the conversation as we discuss real topics in real time. Join us. Last week, we had Pastor Mac on our podcast, and he blessed us with lots of wisdom and encouragement. This week, we'll have the pleasure of talking to another great pastor who loves sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I think of this young pastor, this scripture comes to mind. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, and it reads, Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, just as in fact you are doing. This pastor has the gift of encouraging people, y'all. He is the husband of one wife. Shout out to Sister Tammy McLemore, my big sister. And together they have one daughter and two sons. He is the pastor of education here at Macedonia Baptist Church. Please give it up for no other than Pastor McLemore. Hello, everyone. I'm Tiffany Brown. And I'm E.B. E.B. And we are about to... Wait. <laughs> and we are... We about to get fired for this podcast. <laughs> it is just me and my sister today. Jalen could not make it. Please keep him in your prayers, but he will be on the next one. So, today we have Pastor McLemore. <laughs> Pastor McLemore, can you please just give us a brief introduction of who you are, where you're from. Well, my name is Robert McLemore. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes. Um, I am from Oklahoma City, born and raised. Hmm. And um, I moved to Kansas City when I was a freshman in high school. Oh, wow. So I finished high school and college here in Kansas City. And I've been here ever since. I am married to the love of my life. Uh, her name is Tammy McLemore. Uh, we've been married 20 years. Uh, we have three children, one girl, and two boys. Wow. 20 years of marriage. That's a blessing. And a few grandchildren. And a few grandchildren. Children. <laughs> <laughs> Not children. Yeah, children. <laughs> so, Pastor Mac, how did you come to know who God is? Wow. Uh, Again, that's a loaded question because I just think that over the course of our life, God will gradually bring us to clarity of the gospel. Uh, But I was raised in a Christian home. Um, There were some non-Christian things happening in our home. (laughs) I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, Our home church in Oklahoma City was Tabitha Baptist Church. But I remember being baptized about the age of seven or eight years old. Uh, I have two brothers. We all went down and and, uh, committed our lives to Christ at the same time. We were baptized on the same day. Mm. Um, But, you know, sometime down the road, uh, I remember uh, going to vacation Bible school and us being uh, sitting outside. And we were talking about the different things that we wanted to do when we grew up. 
And there were some young men who talked about they wanted to be a firefighter, somebody, a police officer, basketball player, football player. And all of a sudden, I don't even know where it came from. It came out, I want to be a preacher. Mm. And I remember distinctly putting my hand over my mouth as if I had said something that I should not have said. (laughs) (laughs) Did everybody say, (gasps) you know, and uh, that was really interesting, man, because I don't even think I was even 10 years old yet. Wow. Because you blessed yourself in that very moment. (laughs) I mean, so, you know, and over the course of my life, I think the gospel became more and more clear to me. I stopped going to church. Uh, I, I don't even think I stepped foot inside of a church during my high school years. Wow. Never, really? Never stepped foot inside of a church during my high school what years. What are you thinking? So did you move here with your parent, your mother? I moved here with my mother. My mother, mm-hmm. uh, was. Uh, she came to Kansas City for work. We had some cousins and some, some relatives that lived here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole time I was in high school, I don't, I don't remember going stepping foot inside of a church I don't remember Uh, I don't remember stepping foot inside of a church until I was getting ready to graduate with my undergrad in college in 1999 (laughs) what made you go back to the church that that season of your life life happens Mm. yeah great disappointments lost relationships Mm. um you know when you get down to the bottom of the barrel yeah. And you realize there ain't no other place to go. Yeah. The only other place to look is, is, is up. up. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so God knows how to wrestle us down to a point to where we surrender to him. Mm. And I think that that's exactly what he was doing mm. in my life at that time. So, yeah. So in 1999, I graduated with my undergrad. And I was living in this house. It was like a shack. Ooh. I'm talking about. It was mice all over the place. Wow. In the wintertime, it was cold. Uh, in the summertime, it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. I mean, so I literally had hit the bottom of the barrel. I'm still going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still working my way through my courses and different things like that. But this was a really, really detrimental time for me. And I remember going to the gym to play basketball, you know, grew up playing basketball and stuff like that and I would go to the gym and there was this one minister there his name was Cortez Irvin and I'll never forget it and he came by my house and said he said you live in that house Mm. I said yeah he said man get your stuff man you can come stay with me and he literally gave me a place to stay he his wife his son and his daughter gave me a place to stay until I graduated from from college and it was about maybe four or five months that I stayed with them. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. And I remember distinctly, too, that uh, after we started going to church together, I remember him buying me a Bible mm-hmm. and a box full of commentaries. Mm-hmm. And he said, here, you're going to need this. Mm-hmm. And gave me this brand new Bible in this box full of Bible commentaries. I had no idea what God was doing in my life at that time, but I knew that he was directing my steps. Yeah. So did you dig in? Like, did you... You know, naturally, inquisitively, you Mm know, I I did dig in. Uh, I first started off going to my my wife's father's church. He's a pastor. He's been a pastor for almost 40 years. Mm -hmm. And... 
uh, he began to teach me how to study the Bible. Wow. You know, uh, he told me never read, you know, a book or a, a Bible without, uh, with, with an empty hand. You know, mm. always have something in your hand so you can write and you can circle and you can put question marks beside things. And, mm. and so you can grow. And so he began to teach me how to study the Bible. And as he began to do that, my hunger and things like that became really, really... Thirsty. Yeah. Thirsty for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but even at that, as I was studying the Bible, you know, I still think I didn't have a very good grasp and clarity of the gospel. Mm. And God eventually transitioned me away from my father-in-law's church to a place where I was able to really get the central theme of the gospel. There are some great mm-hmm. teachers out there, some great preachers out there. Um, however, you God may have to put you in a specific place where you can hear specifically from him about him. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, I really just started to dig into the word of God. Uh, I had a little New Living Translation Bible. And from cover to cover, I began to read that Bible. I began to pray as I read I began to read, you know, maybe three chapters in the Old Testament, three chapters in the New Testament. And I just continued to read and continued to read. And then, you know, just the hunger and the thirst for truth became so insatiable Mm -hmm. that uh, I just tore the Bible up, you know. Mm -hmm. By the time I got done with it, I had masking tape on the back of it. (laughs) You (laughs) knew it. You know? Um, and so, you know, the, the Gospels began to become really clear to me. And I remember as I was attending this other church, um, I remember hearing Dr. Adrian Rogers on the radio. I still listen to him. And I remember him preaching a message about faith in Jesus Christ. Hmm. You know, I mean, you trust me, you can go to church and you can have faith in a whole lot of things other yeah. than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said, if you have not put your faith 100% in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're dependent on your works and what you do in order to make you pleasing to God, he said, you need to be saved. And I remember as I pulled out that church parking lot, I remember bowing my head, Mm. pulled over to the side of the road, bowing my head. And asking God to be my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I had been in ministry already. I had preached a trial sermon. I had preached on a number of different Sundays, this, that, and the other. I had been out evangelizing and sharing the gospel, so on and so forth. And God arrested my heart right there. Wow. Mm. So you were already a pastor before you got married? I was in ministry. I was a youth minister. I was very active in my church. Um, I was almost like a church administrator. I was responsible for the finances and different things like that. I was Mm. in. I was in. You know, a lot of the things you guys do as interns, there wasn't a word for it back then, but Mm. that was essentially an internship. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that God really wanted me to have a a clear picture of who Jesus Christ is. I mean, you can focus on so many different things Mm -hmm. and people can become so influential in your life that they can actually overshadow who Christ is. That's good. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, our spiritual leaders are put there as tools and as, you know, instruments in God's hands, but they're doing this. They're pointing us to this. You know, don't focus on me. They're saying, you know, and, yeah. yeah, and unrealistically, we put too much pressure on our spiritual leaders to be perfect. Uh, yeah. Should they fall from grace? 
We won't even give them the type of grace that they have actually given us through the Lord Jesus Christ as we've been worked on and worked through uh, in their ministries. Mm -hmm. And so we put too much pressure on them. And so the focus, again, the Lord had me focusing on Christ. Yeah. Um, focusing on Christ. So. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a good message for a new believer um, to not look at man. Mm -hmm. Because we will fail you. Every time mm -hmm. you have to mm -hmm. look at Christ. And not only that, but operate on the side of grace. Um, I can't tell you how many times that our leaders, our leadership, I have, a, they have grace mm -hmm. with the interns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lots mm -hmm. of it. Even before I was an intern, mm -hmm. I received a lot of grace. Mm -hmm. And so I, I always remember that when I'm uh, feeling some kind of way about something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and remember too, that the grace is reciprocal. Because... Yeah. If we don't have a realistic vision or view of our leaders, yeah. then ultimately we set ourselves up for failure and them. Yes. Because when they fall, when the leader, when somebody influential in your life hurts you, because it's going to happen. Let me just tell you that right now. Yeah. It can be intentional. It can be unintentional. But it's going to happen. But generally when it does happen, because we have so much faith or so much trust in our leaders sometimes for certain people it can be absolutely devastating yeah it's true. it that's can be devastating true. True. and so i say as the pastor is dispensing grace to us as congregants the congregants also have to dispense grace to the pastor as a leader yeah because they're going to make some mistakes mm -hmm. yeah at some point in time they are yeah um because they're flawed human beings just like we are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. dispense grace to our leaders. Give our leaders grace. Amen. Amen. We certainly have to. So I have a question. What impact have you made on your children by you being a pastor? I hope it's been good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, when you, you they say you never really know anyone until you live with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Living with somebody tells a lot about that person. <laughs> you ain't never lied. I live by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids. And chilling. They <laughs> say so you never really know anyone until you live with them. And so I pray that the impact of the gospel um, has been influential on my children as I've tried to, to live it. Um, but I, I believe in practical ministry. Mm. I believe that um, that children learn best when they see us in practical situations. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? That means that, you know, if I have done something wrong to my children, maybe I accused them of something that they really didn't do or I didn't approach something in the right way. Practical means that I have to go back to my kids and apologize. Mm. <laughs> I do that. I do that because it starts at home. That's yeah. right, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But as 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 parents, sometimes we think we we don't do nothing wrong. Yeah. Or when we do do something wrong, we don't want to really take ownership of it. Yeah. But when our kids do something wrong, we want them to take complete mm -hmm. ownership, ownership of what they're doing. <laughs> and so, to me, practical ministry means that I have to take ownership. Yeah. yeah. You know, son, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I apologize. I shouldn't have raised my voice. Mm -hmm. You know, or yeah. I should have let you talk and listen to you. A little bit more yeah. you know I mean just you know to me that's practical mm -hmm. yeah and to me those are the real life lessons I pray that are impactful in their lives because of the gospel yeah 
Yeah. You know, if the gospel wasn't there, I wouldn't be going back and say, son, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, boy, yeah. you better go about your life. <laughs> and I think that's I pay what gives a lot of children out in life in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like they say, it all starts at home. But for your parents to come back and apologize, it means so much more. Yeah. yeah. It lets the child know, like, okay, an adult can be wrong. Yes. And an adult can apologize. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that 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 that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is powerful. I have to apologize a lot to my kids. <laughs> Me too. I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm like, my bad. My bad. Walk, walk away. <laughs> embarrassed. Like, uh, be in my feelings a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm like, 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 yeah, I gotta apologize to these kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So, Pastor Macklemore, what do you think is your biggest mistake you've made in ministry? Who, man. That that's a really, really, really tough question. Um, I probably would say my biggest mistake in ministry is not giving enough attention to the word of God. What do you mean? I mean, you know, I think that we read the word um on a regular basis and don't get me wrong, I'm a I, I love to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I think early on in ministry, that ministry was not so much about me reading the Bible. It was so much about me being able to proclaim and exhort the word. Yeah. But I think that the first thing that you have to do is you got to get acquainted with the Bible um, in ministry. I mean, there could be a thousand different things that you could have going on in ministry. And you can be so busy doing ministry that you ain't got time enough to read the word I'm, I'm in church I'm, I'm, I'm mm. teaching a class I'm in an auxiliary I'm mm. doing this and I'm doing that I'm preaching and I'm teaching but you don't have a devotional life that's good you 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 prepare for a class but you ain't spending that quality time that you need to spend with the Lord for mm. your own refilling that's good okay, I got a question asking for a friend uh-huh. so, <laughs> I'm the friend I'm the friend I'm the friend <laughs> How would you you encourage my friend to read the Bible, but she's scared to read the Bible because of the book of Revelation? Well, I would say would start with another book besides the book of Revelation. But you eventually got to get there. Yes. Yes. And I would be praying all the way until I get there. No, but I I would start off reading some of the other books in the Bible. Um, I think one of the things that really helped me was um, there's this book out there called uh, One Perfect Life. And basically what it is, it's about the gospels that are laid out to give you a view of Jesus Christ's life. You know what I'm saying? And so it's called One Perfect Life. It's an excellent book. It kind of breaks up the monotony of just going through page by page, chapter Mm -hmm. by chapter. And so you have the gospels woven together to kind of give you a complete picture of Jesus Christ. And the reason why I say that's important before you get to Revelation, because Revelation really is about Damn. Jesus. <laughs> it's yeah. really about Jesus, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's about him as Lord and King and Master and Ruler, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. So I just kind of, you know, would say, you know, mix it up a little bit. Um, if you say, well, I really don't want to do that. Well, I would say, choose a book in the Bible and just read through that book for the entire month. Mm. For the entire month. Maybe you read three chapters one day, two chapters one day. But for the entire month, you just read through that one book. Mm. And that might 
be able to help you. My friend. That might be able to help you and your friend. <laughs> I'm the friend. <laughs> you and your friend. To be able to get well acquainted with the book of Revelation. Because yeah. really, the book of Revelation is about a great hope. Yeah. It's about the promise being fulfilled. Mm. And that it is surely going to come to pass. So I used to be scared to read Revelation too, but now I can't put that thing down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I think part of the reason why we're afraid to read Revelations is because of how, for me, um, and I've read it, I can read it now, but in my walk with Christ, it was how it was taught. Like, it was a scare tactic. As a, you know, I grew up church of God in Christ, so it was a scare tactic when you hear about the horns and the devils and all this, you know, coming. And I always thought it was about end time, so... I'm afraid of the end time because of how yeah. they taught me, sure. you know, sure. the, the book of Revelation. Yeah. But something that you said um, early on um, that I have been working on since I've been over the youth department. Mm-hmm. I read to study to teach mm-hmm. versus taking the time to say, okay, no, it's just me and God. Having a devotion. Yeah. Having a devotion. Me yeah. and God, me and God. And so I've been focusing Every single day for the past what month of just fifteen minutes. There you go. Just, just fifteen minutes got my devotion. There you go. To and Jira does it now too. My daughter does it too. Mosiah, he's very good because mm-hmm. uh, he's a studious of God's word, so he does his own. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. I didn't have to mm-hmm. groom him, but Jira, I'm grooming mm-hmm. him, grooming her. But fifteen minutes a day. If you're listening out there, take fifteen minutes a day. Fifteen. Um, if you're a teacher, if you're working in ministry, you're here at the church like we, the interns are all the time. You have to take that time out. Yeah. With just you and God, because so much happens in the church <laughs> that can distract you mm. from what you're supposed to be doing in the first place. Yes. So, yes, fifteen minutes a day, and I'm gonna ump up it to about thirty minutes here. Sure. Hopefully today. Sure. You, you can even do something as simple as you can take a sermon that's preached over the pulpit. Yeah. And you can chop that up and use that as a devotional throughout the week. That's good. And now you've heard it taught, you've heard it preached, and now you're going over it naturally. You're going to ask more questions. Naturally, God is going to speak to your heart on that topic or that subject. Some people just have a hard time of having just a structure for a devotion. Yeah. Right? And so you can take that sermon, you can chop it up, you can take that Sunday school lesson, you can chop it up, mm-hmm. and you can have this that devotion. God, what does this mean when the author wrote it? What does it mean to the people today? How mm-hmm. does it apply to my life? And that will help us tremendously. That's good. That's good. So I do have a question. So by you being married, mm-hmm. when she first came into your life, how did it... I want to not affect her, but how did she just fall into the role to be your backbone? You know, to be your ride or die. She she didn't just fall in. <laughs> <laughs> she can't kick and fight now. So my wife, and tell me if you listen, I'm gonna put it out there. <laughs> my wife said that she did not want to marry a police officer, a firefighter. Or a preacher. (laughs) Because her dad is a preacher. And he is a pastor. Now, he's been preaching for over 50 years, but he's been pastoring for nearly 40. And so, uh, for those that don't know that pastoring and or preaching or being an associate pastor at a church can be very taxing on the family. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Um, when people call, you have to go. And that means sometimes you give up family time, you give up, you know, date nights or, mm. you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things that people sacrifice in your family in order for you to be of service to God's people. Yeah. And so reluctantly, I was ordained before I was ordained before me and my wife got married. However, mm. reluctantly, you know, she was like, I really, you know, <laughs> I mean, she's a PK, so she yeah. understands. Yeah, she understands. She, she's, she has to sacrifice a lot. She sacrifices a lot, and then PKs see a lot because mm -hmm. they see people sometimes for who they really are. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? I mean, there can be some yeah. people that don't have the right motives, people that's faking, people yeah. that's shaking, so on and so forth, mm -hmm. and they try to get time with the pastor or the preacher, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And sometimes your family can see from a mile away that them folks don't mean no good. Yeah. And so, you know, so my wife, you know, she's very keen. It, church is not a new thing for her. She's been in church all her life. Yeah. You know? yeah. And she's been a pastor's kid for a good majority of her life. Wow. Um, so I would say that she probably has helped me more than I have helped her. Mm. Yeah. Um, she has a level of discernment. Um, yes, she does. That is, yes, she does. You know, <laughs> My Obviously big sister. <laughs> yes, she do, big sister. Yes, she do. Yeah. <laughs> so she'll call it like she sees it, but she's yeah. been very generous. She understands that it takes a lot of time to study and to read and to prepare mm. uh, to preach a message. It is not something that happens overnight. Um, and, you know, she's been very gracious with that. I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Shout out to her and all the wives, minister wives. Um, and we thank you for sacrificing your time so you're the pastors can do what they have to do for the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, E.B., go no, ahead. you're fine. How long does it take you to prepare a sermon? Ooh. Whew. And how do you just come up with a topic for your sermon? That's mm. a good question. Well, I generally always pray, Lord, what do your people need? Mm. What do your people need? You know, God knows his people. Yeah. And the prayer is, God, what, you know, and it's not your people. It's like, God, what do we need yeah. and so uh, generally you know the Lord will point me in a direction or something like that uh, about uh, what the people are in need of and then study time I mean I work a full-time job so that's 40 plus hours a week mm -hmm. I probably can spend maybe another 20 hours a week in one sermon wow. uh-huh wow in one sermon another 20 hours I mean sometimes more than that but just depends. Ooh, dedication right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So, so Pastor McLemore, um, I consider you one of the best encouragers of all times. Well, I really do. Um, for those of you who don't know, Pastor McLemore, he encourages me a lot. <laughs> Before I was an intern and as an intern. But what I want to know is who encourages you outside of family and our current pastor um, who encourages you? Oh, the my most? goodness. Uh, was, whew, that's a small circle. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's a small circle. Um, you know, I, I really just think the testimony and the work of um, Christians over the years. Um, my grandmother, you know, God rest her soul, mm -hmm. uh, still encourages me today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I am a probably a fourth generation preacher in my family. My wow. great grandfather was a preacher. 
Um, and there have been uh, my uncle, uh, my mother's uncle was a preacher. His son was a preacher. And then, you know, my brother and I mm -hmm. uh, are also, you know, servants of the Lord in that capacity. So I really say I'm just encouraged by the history of people who have been faithful uh, to God in service. That's mm. really big to me. I, I like to read a lot of church history and stuff like that. And so I'm just extremely encouraged by what God has done through, you know, ordinary people mm. uh, to impact the kingdom of God. That, that encourages me a lot. That's awesome. A whole lot. That's awesome. What drew you to Macedonia? You know, um, I, after I uh, transitioned away from my father-in-law's church, I was really looking for a church it just kind of really focused on the Word of God. I didn't need any antics or anything like that. Didn't need anything really high energy. I just really kind of wanted to learn and grow uh, for the Word. So I went to a suburban church, which was really great for me. Excellent teaching. Learned a whole lot there. But my uh, desire, my heart's uh, passion was to be back in the urban core. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for a church that had good, solid teaching in the urban core mm. and that's what drew me to Macedonia who told you about Macedonia well I got a good friend who's a Raiders fan <laughs> <laughs> I'm Joey. I'm Joey. <laughs> we know we know who that is say less <laughs> the Raiders is bringing them in <laughs> And Joey, it was really been a mentor of mine for about as long or longer than me and my wife have been married. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's... Over 20 years. Wow. And Joey, good people. I, I, love, I yeah. love Joey. Yeah, he's one of the, the best. He is. One of the best. He really is. I don't think you can meet a more genuine human being no. than Deacon, Deacon Joey, Joey Smith. Yeah. yeah, and his wife. And his wife. Oh, I man. love them. Doogie. Yeah, I love them. Shout out to Doogie. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, so. Such a blessing to have yeah. them here. And, man, when I say ride or die people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ride or die. I oh, love yeah. them. Yeah. Um. So we're going to have one last question because we got a game to get to. Game <laughs> to. <Q2. laughs> Y'all too. Jeez. <laughs> so uh, who is your favorite theologian and why? Oh, my goodness. Uh, does it have to be one? <laughs> one and two. One or okay. two. <laughs> so... Huh. So I would have to say that first, my first favorite theologian would be uh, Tony Evans. Yes. Uh, if you haven't got the book, Tony Evans has a, a theology book that he wrote. I have it. It is an excellent book. <laughs> it is. Um, it's practical theology. And then my second you know, favorite theologian uh, would be John MacArthur. Yep. Um, of Grace Community Church. And I figure, you know, John is going to give you what the text means. Mm -hmm. You're going to get down to the nitty gritty of what did the text mean in its context to the original audience. Mm -hmm. Tony is going to give you that. But Tony is going to say, this is how you can apply that in your life. And so I think if you merge those two things together, good, accurate theology and biblical exposition, 
and then good principle application, then I think you really got a good, you got a good grasp and you got a, a, a good coverage of how to, to really allow the word of God to have a high impact in your life. Yeah. And that is so good and beautiful that you say that because it also models you. Yeah. And that's Yeah. It does. Also, when I see you up there preaching, you also teach. And one thing about Macedonia, we have pastors that preach but also teach. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people they need to be taught instead of preached to. Yes, that's true. Because one thing I do believe in, all sermons aren't for everybody. Mm -hmm. Some sermons hit you and those are the ones that scare you mm -hmm. because they're literally talking mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you and the other pastors have a way of teaching to us to let us know like it's okay that this is whatever you're going through. Right. So it doesn't like scare you away. It's like, okay, let me look at it in a different light. Mm -hmm. And y'all modeled that. Bringing everything together, making the whole spaghetti or whatever—it's <laughs> just what Stirring each, up. right? Each one of y'all do it, and yeah. it's just like wow. And a lot of people that I know outside of Macedonia, be like y'all, they really do be teaching over there. Yeah, Because yeah. most churches are like, oh yeah, when I heard them preach, they're like, no, nah, Macedonia be teaching. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know. Well, you first know. of all, I'm humble <laughs> that you said that. But second of all, I mean, we have a great model. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Pastor Brooks. We do. Yeah. Is a second to none theologian and teacher. Yes, don't we know? In and of himself, don't I mean. Know. So we I mean, his, his impact is is high. Yeah, it's have high. your brain be so, going. Yes, so yeah. I mean, he's he's an excellent teacher, and he's been what preaching what twenty five. Well, he's been pastor twenty five years. years. He's been he preaching for thirty or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. the numbers. So, you know, I mean, it's just great to sit up under uh, his ministry. Yeah. I mean, I learned so much from him. Yes. And I have. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, I've learned so much just gleaning from uh, the teaching yeah. uh, that comes from this man and how God uses him. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. 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 Yes. It pours down. Because like I say, everybody, they make sure they don't just preach to you. Y'all yeah. teach us. Teach it. Yeah. Teach yeah. it. I heard one preacher say, he said, listen, you can't preach unless you teach first. Mm. Yeah. You yeah. gotta teach. Yeah. Then, then you can preach. preach. Send it home. <laughs> right. Send it home. You know, and those think, be the best sermons. I mean, that that really is kind of a, a clear picture of what happens here in Macedonia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Pastor Brooks is gonna chop that word up. Yes. And then when that inspiration and exhortation come in, he's going to preach. <laughs> yeah, I remember early in my twenties, I joined Macedonia when I was well, twenty four. I was uh -huh. young. But um, I had just met Ray, Ray Dell. We were dating. Mm -hmm. But before I met him, um, I was in transition of churches. I was leaving the church. And mm -hmm. I remember sitting down saying, what is it that I want to see? Because mm -hmm. coming from you know, past churches, we mm -hmm. would just preach to. Sure. You got your teaching on Wednesday night Bible yeah, study. You did. got your teaching on Sunday, yeah, you know, Sunday, uh, Sunday school. That's mm -hmm. that's the teaching. But mm -hmm. preaching, that's all you got is the hooping and the hollering. Yeah, it's almost like they, you got, yeah, we, we got all that. <laughs> but I remember, <laughs> I remember just kind of being tired of that and uh -huh. wanting to be Mm -hmm. taught mm -hmm. and i never seen i never seen the, the mod that model mm -hmm. like the teaching and then the preaching, preaching. Yeah. i've never seen that model until i came here and i was yeah. like oh my god yeah this is what i want yeah. i was hungry for yeah. it um yeah. but that that's what keeps us here is it's just the teaching not saying no other churches are doing it oh yeah they, they are there's, there's a lot of other churches that are. are 
that has good sound doctrine mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. being taught. Sometimes you feel like you kind of compromise one for the other. If yeah. you're getting really good doctrine, you're really not inspired. You're well taught, but you're really not inspired by it. Yeah. And then sometimes you feel like if you're really inspired, you're not really getting good sound doctrine. Yeah. And you know, um, and then some people kind of really say, hey, listen, we, we really are not for that celebration at the end of the message. Mm. But I think that you really kind of need to have both. That yeah. is the African-American church experience. Yes. That's it is the unique way. to the African-American yes. church. Don't get me wrong. I've set up under some very good, quiet, even killed preachers and the Holy Spirit moved. Yeah. But there is nothing like the experience of the African-American <laughs> church. Yes, sir. I mean, it is amazing. I mean, it's it's born and bred yeah. from ancestors and foremothers and forefathers coming through slavery, holding on to the faith. Yeah. Those old plantation hymns that yes. got them through. And then the celebration and the exuberance that comes from receiving the promise of God. And we see that in the African-American church. At one point in time, I had got discontented with that celebration. Mm. But as I have grown a little bit and God has given me grace, I start to embrace that celebration because it um, it is picturesque of what was happening in the African-American church. They used to have to sing hymns because they didn't want people to know that they knew really about the gospel. Or they had to sing the hymns in order to continue Mm. to have hope as they were out there on the plantation. Mm. Gotta remember, these folks couldn't read. read. The preacher couldn't read either. And so what what he had to do was he had to inspire people with what he had. And it was this celebration to know that this great emancipator, mm. Jesus Christ, yeah. was always on their side and going to make a way out of no way. And so the African-American mm. church experience is like none other. It's a beautiful experience. None other. <laughs> none <laughs> other. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't none leave other. I couldn't leave us either. Okay, that ain't how you crying, upset, oh, yeah. you sad. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Okay, I just can't pray more. Oh, I've been 30, 70 emotions in an hour and a half. Yes. Yes. But that is God. God yeah. is, he, he is really after changing our minds. Yeah. But that includes the full range of emotions, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. You don't have emotions without your mind. God is after your intellect and he's after the whole being, which includes your emotions. So what better thing to do to have your intellect and your emotions Emotions. geared towards God? Celebrate. Celebrate the gospel. That's good. Celebrate what God is doing. You can celebrate him at home. Oh my goodness. You can celebrate him at home. Ain't nobody got to be around. Ain't nobody got to be around. You can celebrate. And that small devotion, you can say. Yes. My devotions more so are music. So I just be getting it going down the street. <laughs> I be getting it. And I'm always like, I just be doing some type of movement. I just look over the people just like. <laughs> and so I just look at them and I keep going because you ain't about to break it. <laughs> like, oh, I'm man. on the road. So. I feel you. <laughs> me, and God. Me, feel and God. You. me and God. Me and God. Me and God. I be off beat, but you know, it's just. Like, <laughs> <in it. laughs> You're funny. <laughs> 
Oh, I heard that. So, oh, yeah. Well, Pastor Macklemore, so, thank, you thank you so much. Thank this you. was amazing. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this. <laughs> I yeah, did. Yeah, any that. last words? I would just encourage people to embrace the fullness of Christ yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. Um, don't let your current situation stop you from believing in the hope yeah. uh, that he provides. Uh, there's no situation that's too bad that God cannot bring you through it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and share your testimony. Once God yeah. brings you through, share your testimony mm-hmm. because yes. sure enough, not only did he bring you out, but he wants to bring somebody, somebody else, else out, out too. That's it. Amen. That's it. Amen. Well, there we have it, folks. Amen. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our podcast, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. <laughs> all right, I'm running late. Okay, just keep going. Just keep going around this corner, up these stairs, and... Oh, I made it. All right, now just to... Wait, where did everybody go? Oh, man. Are they done recording? (sighs) Well, that's a wrap on this week, ladies and gentlemen. You just listened to the fifth episode of the We About to Get Fired for This Podcast. Unfortunately, I was not on it. However, I know that my sisters did a great job producing this week. Just be sure to join us next week to see what we've got planned. Uh, We'd like to thank you for listening with us today. And we'd also like to thank our special guest, Pastor Macklemore. We also ask that you would just go ahead and leave us a review on any of our podcast platforms and or get involved with the show just by, you know, sending us a recording or leaving a message where we can find it, and maybe share your messages with our other listeners. Uh, Once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. Bye.